Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Okay, we're at Elk Shape Camp. I'm joined by a lot of dudes that are really good at elk hunting, so let's introduce everybody. We got the Bugler, Dirk Durham. What's up, man? Oh, hey there. Oh, hey. <laughs> That's going to be a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. That is a shirt. Trademark. Willie Schmidt. How you doing? Good, man. Out of out of Bozeman, Montana now. Now, it still feels weird to say it, but I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's right. moving over there. I know. It's, it's the hub. I kind of made fun of it a little bit to Jason Mutzinger. Don't do that. <laughs> I was like, hey, if I go to move to Bozeman, am I going to wear like a, the vest and get the boots? And he, he did not think that was funny at all. So, Jason, <laughs> if you're listening, which I know you're not, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> makes great films and there's a lot of talent over there yeah i'd move over there in a heartbeat oh it's awesome my wife doesn't want to leave the area hmm. dang i know you you yeah me mm-hmm. and we got ryan lampers out of bozeman montana Happy to say i'm out of bozeman now yes that just feels Super. right doesn't it montana feels right yeah yep no it's much better than where we were definitely yeah. loving it yep closer to willie too Yep. Like that's that. probably why you moved there. Big part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go live. We're going to go live on Instagram for a little bit. And uh, we're going to go off Stealthy's account. Oh and he gosh. doesn't even know how to do this. I don't this, even know. I'm going to have to hand my phone off. But we got my buddy Tim who can teach him. So be good. Well, we are on uh, day one of Oak Shape Camp. Kind of wrapped it up today. Um, how'd it go? What'd you guys think? I think it went awesome. Um, I think everybody was just laser focused in tune listening um to the to the speeches um and then the workouts were just rippers man <laughs> the workouts looked really really tough it's not very often you have two in a day and both of them kick your butt yeah yeah i think somebody kind of set that up that way yeah, yeah. maybe i know yeah. a guy who has a tendency <laughs> to do that we did we so we set up oh we're live we're, we're live so Hold on, guys. We are live on that. Instagram. This could be a first for my my phone. Dan, Dan, the fitness man. 
Hello, hello. William yep. Schmidt. Dirk the Bugler. Durham. Takes a second, then it just kicks in. I think people just start jumping on board. Holy smokes. Look at that. What do you got? Can you wave to people? Mm. Dan, take over. All right. That scares me. We got 17 on. What's up, y'all? Uh, we're, we are recording a podcast live, and uh, Jeff Lesky joined. Hey, Jeff, how are you? We were talking about you. You're supposed to be here, buddy. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of people jumping on board, so I'm going to pass the phone over. Willie's going to say hi. How's everybody doing? We're looking forward to this podcast here at Elk Camp. Here you go, Dirk. Oh, hey there. Oh, hey there. It's <laughs> <laughs> trademark. <laughs> Write that down. TM. <laughs> so how's this thing? We, we actually don't know how to use this uh, Instagram live thing too well. So um, I'm going to hand it over to Ryan. Uh, we're talking elk hunting. We're at Elk Shape Camp day one. We just wrapped up an awesome day. If you don't know what Elk Shape Camp is, we'll fill you in. But uh, we figured we'd go live for a little bit. If you guys want to go ahead and post some comments or questions on Anything having to do with elk calling, backcountry, fitness, nutrition, hunting elk, we'd be more than happy to take your questions, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. So we're talking about um, the, the premise of Elk Shape Camp was just get a bunch of guys together that, you know, want to get better elk hunting, and the premise was defeat the elk hunting learning curve, which everyone's learning curve is a little different. Some people just walked out and killed their first elk their first try, uh, Dirk, and others, <laughs> uh, some of us uh, tried several years until we finally got it done, but um, we know that there's like, that's like the solution out there is get them together and teach them everything that we know. So we covered, today we covered calling, scenarios, fitness, nutrition, biometrics, backcountry gear, backcountry fuel, and then just all the Q&A, and we're, we still have a whole other day tomorrow, which we'll get into, but uh, I think the consensus was these guys were pretty awesome group, and uh, they're very hungry and humble, positive attitude, and um, travel. We had a guy from Pennsylvania, yeah, Texas, Hawaii, Hawaii. Wow, I mean, good group. guys are serious about it. Yeah, the cool, yeah. cool thing I thought was how many relative newbies there were, just hungry for information Absolutely on all of it. I mean, horns. somebody just picked up their first bow. The guy from New Mexico, Jacob, oh, yeah. picked up his first bow. Three weeks ago. Yeah. Brand new. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of stories uh, that I got from people, you know, maybe they've had a few years of no success, three, four, five years. And so, you know, knowing Dan, they see Dan's success every year. So they want a little piece of that. Getting to hear from the best caller around. I mean, why not? Yeah. Turk killed it today. We got a question. Guy wants to know how many calls or diaphragms do you take any given day and I think it's Wyoming Hunter for Life. For me? Yeah. How many um, calls do you take? I take usually no more than three um, in my pouch. And I might have sometimes if I've got my act together, I might have a couple in my pack just in case I lose my other ones. But, uh, um, yeah, usually no more than three in my pouch. That's about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then Robert Hanneman had some question. I think he had an inside joke. He said, tell us about your general elk tag. So – did you draw another general Wyoming elk tag, Dirk? Um, I don't know if that's common knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be soon. If it you, is yeah, now. Yeah. Yes, I did. Thanks, Robert. Uh, yeah, Trent Fisher, Steve Howard, and I uh, are going back to Wyoming. So that's going to be awesome. 
Can't wait. I'm so pumped. Any more questions in there? Not that have <clears throat> popped up yet. <coughs> yep. From Jim State Outdoorsman, if you focused on one item to prep for an elk season, what would it be? If you focused on one item to prep for an elk season, what would it be? Don't know if that's for Ryan or for you. That's for you. Oh, for me? Yeah. Well, I think it's primarily your, your physical fitness. As you say, you can buy the best equipment, but if your body fails, you aren't having a hunt. So focusing on your, uh, your physical fitness, being prepared for what it's going to throw at you, everything else can kind of take care of itself. You still need all the other gear, but gotta if your body a, won't let you hunt. Got to have the legs, right? Absolutely. Legs and the lungs. And back and out. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's what I would focus on. Okay, let's see if we have any other questions. I would add to that, like, I would try to focus on hunting a place where there was elk. You know, a lot of guys who are new to elk hunting don't know where to find elk. you got to have elk near you to kill them. And just, you know, I need elk to talk to kill elk. I say that all the time. So having a good place to go, if, you don't, if you're not fortunate enough to know where to go yet, then you really need to dig in on your homework. That's something I would focus on would be the cyber scouting and um, control what you can control. Mm-hmm. would be the thing I would focus on, which is, I know it's kind of a general statement, but you can control how often you practice calling in your truck. You can control how often you cyber scout your fitness, your discipline, your mental preparedness slash toughness. So that's a good question. See if we have any more here. Stealthy, this is yours. So scroll through and find us a question. All right. Let's see here. <clears throat> Everyone needs to do this class. It's kicking my ass, but so worth it. <laughs> it's from, uh, who's that, Mike Hale? Oh, right on. Great information. Um, down 77 pounds. Hunting is so much easier. Oh, what kind of food do you eat when you're packing out an elk and have to make several trips? That's a really good question. Well, you kind of covered that backcountry stuff today. I liked, so Ryan today went over his kind of backcountry fuel systems, and I don't know anyone who hunts as much as Ryan, and so he's going on hunt after hunt, back to back to back, and it's pretty expensive to just buy a bunch of freeze-dried meals, like from Off Grid Food Co., um, Heather's, all that stuff, really awesome, really worth it, but it could get pricey, and so I thought the thing that stuck out to me today was how Ryan said throughout the summer, he makes a lot of his own freeze-dried meals because he cooks dinner and he like just doubles down on dinner and makes twice as much, feeds the family, and then he also freeze like takes the other half and you, you freeze-dry. So like, like that was pretty cool. Um, you talked about super simple stuff, making sure that your ingredients were chopped down. Uh, I thought quinoa was like your number one staple yeah. for your quinoa, carbohydrate. Yep. And then all your veggies, quinoa noodles, quinoa greens, um, all that. So you should talk about maybe, you know, doing the freeze dry deal Mm -hmm. yourself um, throughout the summer. Like tell those guys what you did there because that was pretty cool. All right. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I've always been into food. I love making every meal. I love the, the dinners, especially those are always the best. And you can get really creative with that stuff. You know, we kind of outlined some different you know, wild game chilies and spaghettis. And um, you can basically just stack up your meal to whatever you want to make it. More carbs, less carbs, um, more protein, less whatever, extra fats, adding coconut oil packets to it. You just kind of get what you really want, what your body does the best with. And uh, 
I just enjoy that part of it. It's a whole nother aspect to the hunt that it's like building up to it, getting ready for it, uh, packaging the food, growing the food to create these meals is a big part of it for me. Um, and all the way down to the snacks, you know, we've been snacking on food here. It's just fun to play with that stuff, making leathers, fruit leathers, sweet potato. That's items. what I would take if I was packing out, would do your fruit leathers, which sweet potato leathers. Yeah. So you were mixing apples and yams and mashing yeah, it up about 50 50 uh you know yeah cooked down yams uh or sweet potatoes cooked down or applesauce uh, cinnamon nutmeg make a leather out of it dehydrate it you can make so much with a dehydrator now uh, between the fruits and you know banana chips and sweet potato leather and just all kinds of snacks that are good and cleaner and basically like my biggest my biggest thing is just getting the sugars out because I've just noticed a really uh, <clears throat> a huge benefit for recovery, keeping the inflammation down during the trip, um, coming out of the hills. I'm not. It's not taking me four six weeks to to recover like it used to, and I'm 45 now, and I just don't have the joint pain that I used to have. I can recover next day. I'm good to go. And uh, the only thing I can attribute attribute that to is the diet. I used to be in good shape but I used to have joint pain coming off of those big trips. So, uh, yeah, no, it's worked for me. And like I said, it's like a whole added element to the hunt that I just enjoy building up to, and that's making the food. Yeah. So, hey, why does CrossFit make me suffer so much, Dan? Why does CrossFit make you suffer? That's uh, from uh, Wild at Heart 23. Wild at Heart. Well, I think I think we all can agree that any type of workout that's going to challenge you between the ears is going to help you with that mental preparedness. And so, um, like anything, it's what you put into it. It's what you're going to get out of it. So, um, if you're doing, you don't have to do CrossFit. You could do cross training, uh, functional fitness, backpacking, hiking, rucking. You can make it hurt if you want to. Um, you don't always have to do that. I think you just need to kind of win the day, you know, you know, every day try to break a sweat in the name of better elk hunting is what I say. Uh, there's going to be days where you just don't feel like doing it. And those are the most important days to do it anyways. And maybe you lower the intensity level down, but you just break a sweat. And you'll probably feel better, and you'll always be glad that you did it. But any type of workout program can be effective. I think it's just how you approach it, and it's what you put into it. And I've found that to be the same for me when it comes to elk hunting. The more that the chips are down and the more energy and effort that I put into it, uh, the more I'm going to get out of it. So um, I've just never found any elk that just run down the mountain, jump in the back of my truck, let me shoot it. So th they want to live, and you need to want to get that tag punch more than they want to live and do what it takes and think outside the box. I think Dirk did a great job today talking about that. He covered so many different just – weird, obscure, but awesome strategies, tips, and tactics that I think that a lot of guys were digging that had, they had never heard. And you just kind of have to be armed with an arsenal of just tricks and tips um, and ways to kind of trick elk into thinking that you're an elk. And uh, you did a great job covering that. Do you have any quick ones for these guys that are on Instagram right now? I think, <clears throat> yeah, and I've, I say a lot, but, but being aggressive but not reckless, um, that means um, – pushing up on those elk you know sometimes people will get to kind of a stalemate in their calling setup and um they kind of just let it go they don't they don't pursue the elk they're like well it's either going to come in or it's not and either the well the, the bull will will stay hung up long enough to smell you 
or he will just finally lose interest and walk away. And because they're kind of paralyzed with fear, like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to, I don't want to screw up and, and, uh, this might be my only shot. But, um, if that's the case, if this is your only shot, you have to go all in. This is my only chance. I'm going to try everything I can do to try to get this elk. So if that means, you know, ripping a big scream and, and charging through the brush at him like another bull would do, do it. I mean, what do you call it, that? Uh, <laughs> the wee-ipe whiz-bang. <laughs> <laughs> That's another shirt. Yeah. I have made you two shirts tonight. Okay. But, Trademarked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it's just thinking out of the box and not being afraid to, to, to risk it all because – if it is your only shot, you have to you have to lay it all on the on the table and just go for it, because if you don't, you will live with that regret for a whole nother year till September comes again. And I've been there in my younger days. I've been there. I've kind of held back a few different times and just like regret is a bitter berry to have to swallow for a whole year. So definitely, let's do one more and we'll shut that down and go straight podcasting. <clears throat> All right, what do we got here? So, oh man, there's a few. Um, going to travel to Colorado this year and hunt. Um, Colorado, let's see. Is Colorado a good state for an out of state hunter coming from a guy who hunts in Washington state? Well, that's an easy answer. Uh, I know Dan's answer on that because Dan's not a fan of hunting uh, elk in Washington State. You're from – so Willie um, grew up in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Ryan um, has hunted Colorado, and Ryan's killed a lot of elk in Washington. Um, you should both answer it. I want to hear both your takes. Well, I would say Colorado is a great state. It's got over-the-counter tags for archery for the different rifle seasons, and they manage for quantity, not for quality. So for somebody who maybe isn't all that experienced, their first elk hunt, everything else, and wants to travel out of state, the tag cost is relatively inexpensive compared to other non-resident tags. It's great. There's a lot of, lot of public land, um, lots of great opportunities, and there's, it's got the largest elk herd in the country, 280,000 elk. So you combine all of that, I think it's a great opportunity. If you're holding out for a 350-plus class bull, they're there even in the public areas, but... If I remember the question, it's a newer guy hunting for the first time in Colorado. I'm all for it. I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you on that one. I've hunted Washington my whole life. Um, you know, Washington's a good state, but it requires a lifetime of research and, you know, picking and plotting and figuring out little hidey holes and uh, going in there and expecting to kill a bull every year is tough not nearly the density that Colorado has and uh, not nearly the quality and not nearly the, the amount of public land and just areas to hunt. So mm-hmm. I definitely, uh, yeah, definitely steer you to, to Colorado over hunting Washington. Yeah. Maybe year. don't go where Dirk went last year where there seemed like there was Doug Fluties on well, every ridge. <clears throat> if you like to hunt with other people that aren't in your group <laughs> and you like blowdowns, hey, it's Washington, the place to go. probably used to hunt. Yeah. Like it'd probably be just like home. Yeah, no. Any other ones stand out to you that we need to get to? Do you hunt what you know or prefer to try new places? That's a tough one. I like to mix both, honestly. I like to have my staple, uh, like North Idaho-ish type hunt late September. 
And then I kind of save the first half of September for Wonderlust. Either I, I draw a great tag or I want to go try some new areas. But I think you're doing yourself a disservice to not do both. Okay, you should definitely go back to what you know well. Um, but you should also be expanding knowledge on that area and maybe trying some new stuff to grow your range. Um, I know like a place in Idaho, I've grown it from maybe two, three square miles, maybe upwards of 30 square miles. It's taken me 15, 20 years to do that. But that's a lot of area that I know. And I know you're very similar. Like yeah. you're still wonderlusting to oh, see yeah. what's on the other side of the ridge. Cause that's part, that's the allure, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm the same as you. I, I love both. I love finding new places to go that I've never been. And I also like to hit the old, same old haunts too. Cause you know, them and you, and you can quickly check those places to see if there's, you know, good elk activity, but and you're efficient at them now. Like you kind of know yeah. the best way to get in if there. If you're going to find them, they're going to be in these places and you know how to get in there and access it. And then if they're not, that's okay. Move on and, and go to the next. But I have never, ever been let down when I've tried something new or went somewhere new. Um, I've, I've never been like, that was a mistake. It, it was always good. You know, even like Colorado last year, when we went archery hunting, there were tons of people. Um, I didn't come home with an elk, but it was, it was an awesome experience. And, and I, I don't regret going. It was, it was good. It was really good. It took me out of my comfort zone a lot. Learned a lot about myself. And uh, I would do it again in, in a heartbeat. I'd go maybe not to that place, <laughs> but I would definitely go somewhere else, you know, yeah. that I'd never been before. Yep. All right, one more question. This is for Dirk. Uh, a bull with a group of cows already uh, talks to you but keeps pushing the cows away, always keeping distance. Tactics for this scenario that that's a that's like a age-old problem um and usually when i'm talking to somebody i always ask them what time of day is it if it's is it in the morning like eight o'clock ten o'clock you know um a lot of times those those bulls are they may not actually be pushing the the cows away they're just heading to the bedding area and you're having a hard time keeping up you know they'll bugle at you but they're they're like hey man come over here we're going to bed if you want to fight come up here and fight um, but sometimes <clears throat> if it's an evening or, or, uh, scenario, we've had that before too. And, and you just have to, you have to get aggressive and push and push and push on them and chase them that next ridge and next ridge and next ridge until they finally turn around. They've had enough. You've, they've got a, they found a place that they can defend well. They can hide, they can push their cows up into this spot that they can defend well. And then they'll, they'll turn around and come back and it's, it's game time. Now it's time to fight. So, um, yeah, it's just being persistent, I guess. Yeah. I think I call that turning the table. Yep. And that's when maybe you're doing midday madness or maybe you're not even there yet. And you, you're like Dirk said, you're just you're not able to keep up. Well, just chill out, get up high, listen to him. He's going to bugle enough to give you his general location where he's putting his cows to bed for the day and then move in. Now, once you finally pressure him and he rounds him up and leaves – that's when I would get aggressive and push him until eventually he's going to hit a boundary and he's going to, you're going to turn the tables. It's going to require a lot of fitness, yeah. a lot of sweating, but eventually he's going to find a, some sort of topography or terrain feature where he has the higher ground and he's just going to have enough or his cows are going to put the brakes on and say, we're not going anymore. And he's going to have to do something about it. And that be ready because it's going to happen fast. And especially if you're trailing him, and it's probably going to be on a bench where he's going to turn around hold his ground and come in at you and, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
No more questions. Cool. We're good. Thanks, Instagram Live. How many people did you have in there? It said in the top, probably. Yeah, 100. They joined us. I don't know if that's good, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Save it to Do his I? camera. Okay. Or, or, yeah, post it so people can watch it. All right. <clears throat> so, now that we don't have a camera recording live and I can edit anything we say, no. <laughs> Back to, uh, okay, so we'll give these guys an outline of what, what went down today. So, <clears throat> I had this idea in my, in my dome about doing a, an elk shape. I knew that um, I could probably talk about it on my podcast and see if there's any interest. And then I think uh, before that, I might have reached out to you, Dirk, and yeah. Ryan. Like, I already knew who I wanted. Like, I knew I wanted Dirk for calling. And the reason why I wanted you is because I've, I'd seen you teaching people um, how to call before, like on a video. And I was like, okay, he's breaking that down pretty darn good. I mean, like, realistically, I could follow that. I think people – and then obviously I just, I just knew that you were you competed and you've been hunting Idaho – I'm biased, but I think if you can kill an elk in Idaho, you can darn near kill one just about anywhere. So I knew you had the credentials. And then with Ryan, I'm meeting him in the backcountry and just knowing his pedigree, um, his style. I was like, who better? Uh, stay in your lane. Like, that's one thing I know about is stay in your lane. Like, I know that I'm good at killing elk and I'm good at fitness. I'm just going to talk about those two things. I'm not going to be the guy competing at calling. And I'm not the guy that's going to be tell like i'm not a nerd backpacking guy like i'm pretty simple get it done so bring in some subject matter experts pitch the idea on the podcast and then the inbox got flooded with oh sign me up right now i'm so we did it sold out in 24 hours and here these guys are so i my whole goal this weekend has been to knock their socks off like to have them go man i would have paid double yeah for that I think we're doing a good job so far. But what we did is we had them come in on Friday night, and we wanted them. I wanted them to just kind of see what it's like at a CrossFit gym. I'm not trying to convert them to CrossFit, but we had a we had a Friday Night Lights event at our gym where people were just doing a crazy workout, and they got to kind of see that. I jumped in there and did it, and I just wanted them to see that we're living the brand. We like we we walk the talk, and uh, after that we did a little uh, pretty cool casual meet and greet at a local restaurant. Everybody had some food, and then uh, we hit the ground running this morning. We did in-body scans on all those guys, which took about an hour, which we knew it would, and then we went right into the interpretation of the scan and what that meant for each athlete with their biometrics. So, you know, we, we told them how much fat's on their body, how much of that is visceral fat. We told them what their basal metabolic rate is, how many calories it takes to support them past that based on their activity level, we even broke down how much muscle they have on their right arm versus their left. So, I mean, we just gave them a ton of information. They may use it or not, but I just wanted them to have something really accurate. And we went right into a whole nutrition spiel, which my, I think we kept it pretty simple, stupid. Like, didn't want to, like, go into, like, bioenergetics and biochemistry, but we just kind of wanted to hit the majors, not focus on the minors. And then we went right into kind of, like, here is the most magical movements that you should do when working out. And I'm here to tell you, we did not do any bicep curls. We did not do any body part training like calves or we're going to do back today. We just used the whole body and we tried to do like functional organic movements. And I feel like everybody could understand why we were doing that. We did a killer warm up. 
Oh yeah, that was a warm up. <laughs> Some people's workouts aren't as hard as that yeah, warm up, right? Yeah, we did a really yep. killer, and I did that on purpose. Like I really wanted guys to get exposed to what it meant to truly warm up. And I was honest; I told them I don't warm up this hard every day, but I want you to see what kind of what an athlete does on their warm up. Be dripping sweat before you really start your workout. And then we did a test workout today, where we combined several movements and time domains. But we did it was twenty minutes elapsed time. And we tested all these movements that you would find in the mountains. Stepping up, squatting, deadlifting, pull-ups, just big, nothing fancy. And that's kind of our style. And then we got everybody through that workout. And we um, broke for lunch. And we brought you, Dirk, in. And then you, you had the floor for at least two hours. What did you cover? Uh, let's see. We covered how to use calls. That we, I kind of wanted to go... Um, since a lot of these folks are brand new to calling, they, some of them had never even had a call in their mouth. So we wanted to start right from the very basics, putting the call in. And like I've always said, you kind of got to crawl before you walk. Let's focus on the fundamentals of calling, just making the noise right off the bat. Don't try to rip a big bugle as soon as you throw one in your mouth because you're, you're probably not going to have a good experience with it. It's not going to sound right. Um, so let's learn how to make noise with the call, relevant noise that in turn can be that can uh, go into like a cow call and then turning that cow call into a bugle and then using those fundamentals into making grunts and chuckles and barks and and so on and so forth um that way i wanted that all to kind of be real relevant so that way they can go home and then practice fundamentals and then work on the other the other pieces and parts to where they can actually I think they'll they'll have some good ammunition to go home and get to be better callers. 100% and shout out to uh, Jason Phelps Phelps Game Calls. They provided everybody with the Maverick your read which is the, my favorite personal favorite and everybody it's a pretty easy one to learn on honestly. It's pretty forgiving. Uh, it was pretty cool to see guys. There was at least 3 or 4 that had never used one and then a couple that just yeah, I've tried it but I've just I'm not and then some guys that probably, I think, got better right before our very eyes with your coaching, which was yeah. really cool. And I've never had a room of 20 people bugling at the same time. <laughs> How was that? That was a little crazy. It was cool to watch. But, yeah, I, I'd agree. I think a lot of guys got better just with Dirk being in the room, um, talking them through it with those little steps. It was perfect. Um, even those guys that had just put one in their mouth were, were getting the calls down a little bit better. So that was great. I loved it. Yeah, it's nice to have somewhere to start because if you're all by yourself, you buy one at the store and you go home and it's like, what do I do with this thing? I don't even know. Well, it's kind of nice to have just some fundamentals to start with. So, Yeah, you armed them really well and went through even some scenarios with yeah. the, at, at, towards the end and got some Q&A time. Mm -hmm. um, there was only one question that I was like, what are you talking about? It was something to do with like, what's the difference between rubbing and raking? And I was like... It's the same thing. Uh, sir, what are you talking about? But I think eventually what he was just trying to figure out is how to read sign, I think, for act. Like, yeah, he did a I really good so. job of describing, like, this is the difference between a rub that's fresh and a rub that maybe the bull made in August when he was rubbing his velvet. Right. And this is where you would see. And so I, it was cool. I mean, I love odd questions, stuff I just never would have thought of because yeah. these guys are wondering them. Um, then we kind of we did another workout. This one was a really short – it was a six-minute workout with a partner. You go, I go. Really short but very, very intense with low-level movements. So we preach intensity, but we don't let people do intensity on things that they're not good at yet. 
Well, this workout involved the fan bike and a burpee, which anybody can do. So we made you go in 10, six minutes. <laughs> and I thought the results were awesome. People really gave it their best effort. Yeah. No one slacked. And then a lot of people were coughing when it was done. Just they had lungs hadn't I'm been. still coughing. <laughs> <laughs> so is Willie. <laughs> Way to participate, though. Like, that was huge. For people to yeah. see the subject matter expert participating, that was really neat. And then um, we, we, I went and got the food for everybody, and they were eating. And then Ryan came over and took over. And how do you feel like your part went, and what did you cover? Uh, what did I cover? I was too nervous to really remember what I covered up there. Um, just kind of we talked about the backpack. We talked about how to fit a pack, what's in my personal pack going into the backcountry. We just kind of did a simple three-day plan. You just dumped your pack right dumped there. Dumped the pack out. Uh, I ended up talking about what I love the most, and that was food that you take on a backpack trip. But I uh, just kind of covered all the pieces of gear that I've used uh, for myself that have worked well for me. So, yeah, pretty simple. Not nearly as elaborate as, as Dirk's uh, calling seminar there, but – uh, just kind of went over a lot of the a lot of the food aspects, and again, I think that's a big part of longevity in the backcountry. Uh, maybe not for a three day, but you know, for guys that want to extend their their time back there, staying strong, staying motivated, um, mental health, all that, eating right, eating good food that you like, you enjoy, keeps you you know uh, strong back there. You know, the right combination of proteins, carbs, fats, building it yourself and and doing it that route. It's worked for me, so hopefully it works for somebody else and helps mm. them along as well. How could you argue against that? I mean, no, I don't think people stop and think like, oh, yeah, the types of fuel I put in my body are going to dictate how I feel and my performance. Um, if you're putting garbage in, like getting lonely or missing your family, yeah. you might succumb to those Well, I tell you, I sooner. mean, quite honestly, I, I did it for years and years and years. I just never um, – really put the two together like why was i so tired at the end of a trip why was it taking so long to recover and uh it really took it really took my wife to slap me upside the head and saying listen you know dude you're eating too much sugar while you're back there maybe you eat great outside of the hunts but during the hunts you're going with the easy food you're going with the the sugary bars and you're going with you know just stuff that you don't typically eat at home and you eat it back there and it's and it's crushing you so I did it for years. It's only been probably, you know, seven, eight years before I've really cleaned that up and just kicked the sugars out. So hopefully I can uh, keep the young guys from making the same mistakes I did for all those years. Well, I think uh, as far as the gear you went over, we should probably pick out, like we can't give away everything that we did because, but we should talk about some of the things like what stood out to you guys that Ryan said. I love that he said, hey man, I'm... I'm huge on my pad. Like I'm not going to skimp on a pad I, for, for warmth and for comfort. And sleep is really important in the backcountry. You know, that's when you're recovering, regenerating. Uh, what pad did you say that you went, that you've kind of settled on? So I've burned through a lot of pads over the years. And I think, uh, you know, like most of us in the olden days, we use those Z pads and just those thin foam pads and they really don't do anything for you. Um, but I've come, come to that big Agnes, um, couple years ago that big q core big agnes i don't know if it's like an slx or something like that but it's basically a four inch you know um, pad i don't know what the r value is it's probably a five keeps you warm um really really tough durable one of my um like one of one of the things that it has to be able to accomplish is it has to stay inflated in the cold 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 
Wow, yeah. A lot of pads these days. They've got some type of a glue that just cannot handle minus temperatures, and you end up getting bubbles. And I've burned through more REI pads, like the Flash and all those guys, that eventually the glue just comes apart, you get a bubble in the backcountry, and you're screwed, and you're pissed. And you got this crappy sleep system going on back there. And for, for whatever reason, this uh, this pad I'm using now that Big Agnes is – as a pass the test many times. So get you at least four inches off the ground? Four inches off the ground. That's, yeah, yep. I, I maybe I need to upgrade because I know my pad is definitely inflatable. Um, I think it's a Cabela's branded one, so obviously some company that Cabela's put their logo on, but uh, it's been good. I don't think it's four inches, though. And It compacts really, really small. I wouldn't yeah, think it would go impressed. to four what inches. What would you say yeah. the weight just, was? Just over a pound. Yeah. 17 ounces? Something like that. That's <coughs> legit. And you said you'd pack it if it was two pounds. I would. Like, yeah, it's that, worth that much. That's what stood out to me when you said that. I was like, oh, okay, my my ears perked up. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a huge deal. You can shave weight on that, but, uh, man, cold nights back there, especially if you're by yourself. You you're not a yourself. quilt guy, right? I'm not a quilt guy. Love. Yeah. You're love. pretty skinny. I don't see you no, easily staying I just, warm. I hate drafts. And if you're sleeping in a, you know, maybe a floorless you got wind coming in in the night, you know, unexpected weather. I want, I don't want drafts. And I've just had really good luck with a, uh, with a um, actual bag. And I've been pinned down. In fact, me and my cousin, we got pinned down on a hunt a few years back. Weather came in unexpected, stuck, you know, basically in this hole for a couple of days. Fogged in, socked in with weather. I remember even with the bag, we're sitting in there. And it was like, you didn't want to lose any of that heat that you had trapped in your bag and every time you sit up you know you're cooking you're keeping that bag wrapped around you um you just want to retain all that heat whereas with the quilt i would have lost most of that heat every time i sat up to do something or whatever so now i'm just a big fan of sleeping bags and whatever old school or whatever but uh, i'll pack that extra six ounces or eight or ten or whatever to make sure i've got a good sleep system back there because you just never know when the real cold weather's going to come in and I mean, we've probably all been in storms in September when we were least expecting it. Yeah, like two years ago. Two years ago. Were you in Idaho then or Monday? Yeah, when it really snowed. Yeah. Yeah, that sucked. But the hunting got pretty good after that. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we're not going to do this all night because we need to get some chill time. So tomorrow, the game plan is to, we're meeting at an archery range, archery shop. Come to find out, there's not a lot of good pro shops out there. You know what I mean? I get. I think I've been taken for granted that I have like one of the best guys around. Um, so I'm gonna expose him to this guy. His name's Josh Jones, Spokane Valley Archery. Um, he's gonna give a quick little lecture on bow tuning basics uh, for like the do-it-yourselfers. Uh, maybe go over a little bit of shot execution, like simple mechanics, not a lot, just a little. And then we're gonna break up into where he's gonna get a couple guys at a time and just do some video analysis of their shot. Um, a few of the guys sent their bows ahead of time to get the strings built that I run. He makes them in-house. So they're going to be showing up to their bow with brand new strings. He'll just get that peep tied in for them real quick. Uh, during that time where he's coaching all these guys, they're going to have an opportunity to, if their site is has the technology, to get third access. And I know that at least one guy already asked me, hey, what is third access? So um, for those that don't know, that's kind of a big deal when you hunt out west. And if you've done a total archery challenge course, you'll find out that third axis is very important. So uh, the idea of everybody getting third axis adjusted 
tomorrow really excites me, brings a lot of value. Because of the weather, we were going to go outside and do some third axis shots, some steep downhill, uphill, side hill bubbling, hallway shots. We were going to do a little mini shooting under duress slash train to hunt mini challenge. Not going to do that with all the snow drifts. So we're going to do it indoors. I'm bringing some equipment. It'll be fun. And then we are going to end back up at the gym for the final uh, elk Q&A like we just kind of did there on Instagram. Anything these guys want to ask, Ryan, Dirk, Willie, myself, we're going to answer it. So it should be good. Um, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Based on how it's going, would you guys be willing to maybe do another one of these in June? Yeah? Yeah. We're th- we don't know dates yet, but we're thinking about it. Um, I was thinking about doubling the size, going from 20 to 40, and breaking you guys up in half. 20 go with uh, – we're going to bring Kenton from Train to Hunt over and have him do a, a custom Train to Hunt challenge course for half the guys. The other half will be with us at the uh, gym doing the calling, the backpacking, the workouts, the fitness nutrition. And then we'll still have the, the, the pro shop working on your bow, showing you tuning – I mean, it's just a thorough weekend for anyone interested, probably a little more than interested, dedicated to shortening the elk hunting learning curve or creating more consistency. So what is, we'll end on this last question. If you guys got anything else, add to it. But what is the one thing that you are going to focus on personally to evolve your game this year when it comes to elk hunting? Now, these are some elk killers in here. So I'm really interested to see if they're going to stay the same and get worse or what they're working on to get better. Uh, we'll start with Ryan. What What are you thinking? Um, yeah, I never want to stay the same. Uh, never, never really want to have that mindset. So, always wanted to up my game physically. Uh, as far as shooting goes, man, it's just kind of maintaining that. Always trying to do better. You know, playing with gear. Always, always trying to improve. I mean, we have to. Uh, I don't know. I I think the physical aspect of it is going to be big for me. Uh, it's going to be a big year, so I've got I've got some big elk plans this this coming fall, in some big big country. I don't want to, you know, shirk my exercise at all. I really want to go hard on that and and get further and deeper and, you know, less fatigue and all that. All those things that you want. You want your hunt to be comfortable and, you know, have everything in the tank that you need. So, I think for me, it's going to have to be just maintaining and going harder at my fitness level. So. Dirk, man. Hate to copy Ryan, but uh, same story. Um, I don't think anybody ever complains that they were in too good of elk shape or uh, too good of shape for elk season. Yeah. Um, I know I've said, man, I wish I was a little better shape, you know, in the past. Um, so I'm going to focus on trying to get better shape for elk season this fall. Same same with Ryan. I've, I've got some, some good elk hunts, elk hunts in some big country, and I don't want to. I'm going to get out there and fail or or bonk or whatever. I want to build it. If there's a bull in the bottom of hell, I can I can go and not think twice about it. So, um, yeah. And then and then the, the shooting thing, too. Um, I try to practice a lot um, in the summer, just like every night after work, go home, shoot a few arrows. Sometimes I shoot a lot. Sometimes I'll shoot three or four. You know, just kind of depends. But just getting familiar with the equipment, having it filled second nature and have you know you pull your bow back it just feels like home it goes off it's good you know you're making those focused deliberate shots instead of like eh, i hope it hits you know you just you're making those deliberate shots and and you have to you got to practice to do that so 
I'm gonna stay up on top of my practice. So yeah, and I'm gonna scout some new areas too in yeah. in Idaho. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so, kind of excited. I like about that. that. Yeah, Willie, what are you thinking? Well, I'm gonna copycat for the first part, which is the fitness. <clears throat> I mean, as we get older, you know, uh, it becomes more important, and you want to you want to keep up, and you don't want to fall behind any anybody at all, but especially. Yep. The younger guys, it's, you know, I hope to be hunting elk seriously for 20 more years. Oh, uh, yeah. I, um, I see that happening, so, too. <laughs> so keeping it going, I mean, and, and, and as you know, Dan, <clears throat> you know, fitness has always been important. Shoot, we met a long time ago when you were first starting Train to Hunt. Santino and I had you out to do a little mini thing, and we had, you know, eight or ten guys. Yeah. Uh, it's always been important, but there's always something you can do better, you know, putting hustle in the muscle, getting rid of this cough that you occasionally get with CrossFit. So, you know, been incorporating a little bit more of that. And I've got a great, uh, you know, Jim and Bozeman that I've, I've come to thank God for my daughter to introduce me to. That's a great CrossFit gym, good coaches and a hunting community, great community. So that's a ton of fun. But the one thing that really, you know, as, as Ryan and I've gotten to know each other a little bit better. And a lot of it was a, you can learn a lot with a guy five hours in a car. Yeah. Uh, but the whole and 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 the the biomechanics and <clears throat> the nutrition and, and whatnot you talked about today is something that again as you get older I think you need to take, you need to take care of yourself a little bit better yeah. and I think I told you last night I've always been a thought a relatively clean eater I mean if you graded me it'd probably be a mid B sort of thing so relatively speaking okay but hearing Ryan's stories of uh, anti-inflammatories and the sugar and I was relatively happy with the results of the scan today, but there's certainly some areas of improvement that I'd like to do and just eating a little bit better. Yeah. I know for me, I'm not going to ever be as clean as, as say Ryan, but, uh, combining with just everyday diet and eating habits, but also creating some of my own, uh, stuff for the backcountry and food. I mean, the stuff that we ate in the car that we're eating tonight that Ryan has shared with me and the ability to do that is, you know, hunting, it doesn't start when you take off or you show up at the trailhead. It's year round with your fitness. It's year round with your diet. It's, but it's also the fun and the planning and the prep for these hunts. If you're going with a buddy, it's talking about who's bringing what and where you're going and the research and, and everything else and buying new gear. But, but now, you know, with Ryan, I think making some of your own meals, not relying on the commercial stuff, number one, that's expensive. Number two, that probably isn't all that great for you. Um, and we've always talked, you know, in the mountains, you can afford to be a little bit less conscious about it because you need the calories and stuff. But again, it's the right kind of calories. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's, those are two of the areas. I mean, everything else is always important, but that, those are the two that I'll probably be focusing the most on. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, you did such a good job on that food today. That was great. I, I'm with you guys. I think uh, uh, shot execution, I sp- I'm sp- kind of down the road a long ways on archery, like technique where I'm getting pretty nitty-gritty. Like I want to um, really continue to focus on that. Like shooting is really important to me. Um, and it's more about quality over quantity. I'm just like you, Dirk. Like I want to shoot my bow every day. Sometimes it's like it could be literally one shot with a broadhead on it at 50, pinwheeled, and I'm like, cool, that's great. Um, conversely, I go out there and shoot and hit low and be like, what? And that could turn into a 50 arrow night until I feel like I'm confident, you know. But 
muscle memory. But so shooting has always been just a deal for me. Like that's, I got to shoot. So, but as far as um, what am I going to do this year to elevate my game more? Um, probably more time cyber scouting. I have to confess, like I'm not great at cyber scouting. I'm going to a new area in Wyoming. Um, I got some good intel. I got some friends that have been there. But uh, I, I need to come start. I think I'm going to try actually typing out my hunt plan this time, have my A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and actually have a in writing in my truck. And so I can just quick reference and just kind of hunt more efficiently that way. But I've always relied on my fitness to just take me where the elk are at. And I think this time I'm just going to try to use a little more brain power and a little more thought and intellect and, and have a written plan. It sounds like maybe maybe too much for some people, but for me, I it makes sense. I just haven't really ever done a written plan. So I'm going to try that out, and I'm excited to go to a new country for sure. It's uh, it's exciting. You know, one thing we've done uh, going out of state before is uh, doing while you're doing your um, e-scouting, taking screenshots on, on Google Earth of – all these, di- all, all your different A, B, C, D, E, F, G plans, and of course you've got your your pins on there where you want to go hunting, but print those off, yeah, and put them in like a five by seven or whatever size makes sense, and even laminate them, yeah, take them with you, and then just have them at, at camp or wherever, however you're going to hunt, and be like, okay, what's the plan? Where am I going? Oh yeah, I forgot about that one drainage or whatever. You're right. It just really refreshes your brain. I'm and- a study map at camp guy yeah like real topo maps Mm -hmm. i always bring them and that's what i do and when i'm even by myself i'm a i'm a maps guy in the tent me too until i pass out every night um and that's cool that's a great idea nothing i've done is before is recorded myself flying over on google earth oh yeah so you hit quick i have map guy so you hit quick time and you can just screen record you flying over the unit Save it to your phone. I did that with you one year. Went to Nevada. I had every drainage flown over through Google Earth. Um, the only problem is, no matter how much Google Earth I do, it's never quite the same when you're no. actually there. Once, yeah, once you get on the ground, it's never. Yeah. Wow, this looked a lot, a lot less steep or whatever. Even if you manipulate, you know. Yep. Uh, the grid, but it's yeah. better than nothing. Yep. Cool. Well, we got to get some sleep. I appreciate you guys listening. We'll drop this podcast here right after the camp. Um, excited for tomorrow. Appreciate you guys' time. Thanks, you bet. Dan. Thanks, Dan. All right. We'll see you guys later. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. So cool to have these guys in person and tapping into their experience and knowledge. These are great human beings. want to give a shout-out to all 20 athletes that traveled great distances to come to this camp, the inaugural camp, you guys took a risk, came out. I hope we knocked your socks off. I appreciate your feedback and thank you for trying to make yourself the best version of yourself. I also want to thank the partners involved in the Elk Shape Camp. Shout out to Easton for hooking every participant up with a half dozen full metal jackets. That's my favorite arrow for elk. Shout out to OnX Hunt for hooking every participant up with a one-year membership for the state of their choice. I think most of the guys already had OnX maps, OnX Hunt, but A few of them didn't, and I know they're going to be really stoked to get that. That's extremely generous. Thank you for your support. Shout out to Vortex Optics. They gave out a brand new pair of Razor 10x42s to one participant who we as subject matter experts chose as the spirit of Elk Shape Camp, and that was a surprise, and it was so cool to see Ben's face when he got that award. He was the most humble, hungry 
positive guy who probably just needed a pair of binos. We wanted to give a shout out to uh, Josh Jones at Spokane Valley Archery and his podium archer strings. That guy was the sleeping giant of the whole camp. He dropped so much knowledge and he's just a truly an expert when it comes to technical archery. And it was so cool to see him coach everybody. Exo Mountain Gear for hooking everybody up with the swag and the discount codes. The same with Kinetrek Boots, swag and discount codes. Appreciate you, Phelps, for sending all the bugle tubes and the diaphragm calls. Thank you, Dirk, for driving up. Appreciate your time. You are one of my favorite people. Willie and Ryan driving over from Bozeman. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to the next camp. Details will come soon. There's going to be another camp in June. We'll have... An opportunity, I believe, for 40 athletes this go-around, and we're going to bring in my good old buddy Kenton Claremont from Train to Hunt, so we're going to combine some Train to Hunt and still cover everything that we already did, and we're going to double down. It's going to be epic in June. Where you'll see that is I'll email it out to everybody who subscribes to our newsletter. You can sign up for that on elkshape.com. We'll post it on socials, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And the registration will go live, and there will be a certain amount of people that will probably get locked in. And we're hoping to fill 40 spots and knock everyone's socks off. So that was all I wanted to tell you guys about. Lastly, if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about elk hunting in the off-season, check out Corey Jacobson's offer for you Elk Shape Podcast listeners. Without further ado, here's Corey Jacobson. Hey, elk hunters. Corey Jacobson here from elk101.com. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting, regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic, from planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between. The University of Elk Hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters. And for listeners of the Elk Shape podcast, Dan and I have teamed up to offer you a 20% discount when you sign up. Simply go to elk101.com, click the link to the online course, and use the code ELKSHAPE, all one word, when you check out. You owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today. <laughs>